to put your hands together. Great. How many of you are spoiled rotten on put your hands together? I thought that was a fun way of saying that. And you guys are like, no, I'm not. That's not me. I'm not spoiled rotten on this show. Well, welcome to the show, spoiled rotten people. I'm just teasing you. Lighten up, guys. It's a comedy show. How are you tonight? Good. <laughs> Is everybody okay? Did I... Are you confused by my, like, Canadian baseball street tough outfit that I'm wearing? <laughs> Do you not get it? Are you like, what the hell's happening? Why are her pants like that? I just feel like it. I wore this shit on a plane today, so get with it. It made that very difficult. <laughs> We're like... S son? Sir? I don't know what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> I know I talk about that literally all the time, but you know what? It happens literally all the time so i talk about it all the time they're like um young gentle person you have the you have the vegetarian meal <laughs> i also i had the vegetarian meal and i'm just i'm vegetarian i've been vegetarian my whole life uh, thank you <laughs> i love that you really had to crank into it vegetarianism when you cheer for it it's like Oh, shit. Oh, God. <laughs> and, like, I say that, and then people, like, sometimes assume that I mean vegan, and no, I wear cool boots. Um, <laughs> and I think I got the vegan meal because they just gave me, like, the side from everybody else's meal as the appetizer. And then they're like, oh, nope, you have more food coming. And I was like, oh, can't wait to see what this is. And she handed it to me. She was like, watch out, it's incredibly hot. Which is a fun way. Usually it's like, watch out, it's very hot. But incredibly hot? She's writing a blurb for the back of a nonfiction book or something. Um, and she handed it to me. And it was a plate of a gigantic piece. Of, I mean, when I, it was an incredible piece of broccoli, is what I'm saying. <laughs> like, it was this big. And then also surrounded by, I think, three zucchinis worth of zucchini. And then five sweet potatoes worth. And that was it. That was my dinner. And I was like, you guys still don't under understand vegetarianism. It is 2016. I just want cheese pizza. I do not want... I am a vegetarian because I like animals, not because I like vegetables. Let's get that shit straight. It is the absence of something that I'm interested in, not the presence of only that, you know? Uh, but I was in Canada. Woo! Give it up for Canada. <laughs> You're not supposed to clap for that. I don't know. Uh, but you should clap for all the comics that are on the show. Sorry, I got ahead of myself. They're back there. They can hear you. It's a really great lineup of so many great people tonight. Um, I was in Canada. That's why I'm wearing this awesome Expos t-shirt. Uh, some of you might know what it is. Some of you don't. And you're like, great, Montreal t-shirt. It's a baseball team. Uh, I like, like baseball. That's my life. Uh, anyway, so I was in Canada, bought this t-shirt. Um, and I have been to Canada. Here's the thing. I'm from Ohio originally. You may know. I like to call that the thinking man's Indiana. And <laughs> when you're from Ohio, mostly you just travel within Ohio or the state's capital of West Virginia. That's like pretty much the only place that you go, like a lot of people from Ohio just don't travel. I think it doesn't occur to them. <laughs> They're just like, oh, we could leave? I didn't, I, why, why would you do that? That probably costs money, doesn't it? <laughs> and then you wouldn't be here and angry about it. So like, I didn't travel until I was 18. Um, and then I came to here, actually. It was the first place that I ever left Ohio for, thank God. Um, and so I've been to uh, Toronto and Vancouver 
and now I've been to uh, Montreal. And like every time I go to Canada, like I think of myself. I, I mean, I'm I'm queer and liberal and a vegetarian, and I wear these boots and I look like this. So, you know, I think that our country is a great country and could be really great. Um, and I think there's a lot of problems with it. And I, I like to be very cynical and like think. Think, period, think. I think you could just say that these days during the election. You could just be like, yeah, I like to think. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, and so I'm always like, oh, man, you know, these literally every country is probably better than, than America. I mean, Canada has free health care. Like, they're just great. And then as soon as I go up there, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm really American. <laughs> like, they started apologizing. I was in the bathroom of the airport three minutes off the plane four saris and there was only one person in the bathroom with me <laughs> get yourself together canada i said but then in montreal obviously it's like it's it is french canada that's like it like the only reason that they have to speak or they speak french in canada is because of montreal it's like one it is like a tenth of the population and they're so french about it they're like everybody has to speak french and then they all have to learn french it's very imperialistic about it it's kind of like english anyway um so i had seen for like i took spanish in high school and i took it well i took it from kindergarten to high school and i am not fluent in it that's how white i am just like i <laughs> hola that's about it I know that. Como esta? Muy bien? Así, así. El champú. That's about all I know. And I know the plot to Selena, backwards and forwards. Because we watch that every spring. Um, but I, so I don't speak any French. And then I would go to like Toronto, Vancouver, wherever, and be like, oh, I can, okay, there's French everywhere. But nobody would speak French. But in Montreal, everyone speaks French. And I felt so American being in Montreal, I felt like it's, they'd be like, ah, it's pretty, like I can't even fake a French accent. That's how little French I know. Like I couldn't even remember what thank you was. When I was in Canada, I kept wanting to go, gracias. <laughs> Maybe they'll get that. I don't know. But I honestly just wanted, like I would walk up to a counter and they would say whatever in French. I can't even, I cannot even do an impression of it. That is how American I am. Just like, oui, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> And then I'd be like, hi. And they'd go, what can I get for you? <laughs> they were like so angry to switch to English. And then I'd be like, y'all are going to have to slow down. I can't understand a word of that you're speaking right now. And I don't understand that either. Can you hear me over my spurs? Just like immediately. <laughs> but they do put butter on everything, which is pretty American. <laughs> That's all they eat is fr fried food. Like, I could not find any... It was insane. Anyway, that's not funny. Um, <laughs> something that is funny that happened on the way out of my house... Like, I just got in today at, like, 4 or 5 and then came here. Um, so that's why I look like this again. And uh, got home and had a, a lovely uh, dog sitter staying at my place. And she had been there, like, a week before that. And then in my house, there was a sports bra. And I was like, oh... And by the way, I'm married to a lady, of course, because of course I am. And uh, she's also the host, co-host of this show, but she is currently in New York. So give it up for the person that's not here, but she will be back in two weeks. Yay! Um, so we're two ladies in our house, and I was like, well, that's not my sports bra, and that's not my lady's sports bra, because we know each other's sports bras. That's what it's like to be a lesbian. You're like, that ain't one of ours. And so I texted my dog, Sarah. I was like, oh, I think you left your sports bra, so maybe I'll drop it off or something. And she's like, that ain't mine. Where the fuck did that sports bra come from? Because <laughs> I texted my wife. I was like, hey, is this yours? Just double checking, because I knew in my mind this ain't hers. But then she was like, nope, not mine. Where did that sports bra come from? That's <sighs> what it's like to be a lesbian. Just sports bras just show up at your house. <laughs> And it's not new either. It's not like it was shipped somehow errantly and I accidentally kicked it and it opened and it flew onto the table. <laughs> Honestly, I believe that more than like, I mean, I cannot even fathom how would a sports bra that is definitely two to five years old just end up in my house? How the hell did that happen? Does anybody have a theory? I will, I'm throwing it to the audience. Anybody? No, see, how did it end up in there? You can't even think of it. Oh God. So I'll keep you updated on the sports bra that just appeared. Maybe it's a time-traveling sports bra. 
They're like the sisterhood of the traveling sports bra. It's definitely there to support me. Okay. Well, you guys love that. Um, the last thing I was going to tell you about, um, we went from Montreal to New York, and we were in, staying in Greenpoint, which I think is like a, a white, na- like traditionally Polish, like white neighborhood that's now being gentrified by more more white people, which is just like oh that makes me so happy. Like white people gentrify white people, <laughs> just do that. Like tiny houses, like you guys do realize that those are trailers, right? Like it's just like a fancy trailer. Just get out of there. You know what I mean? Just let's just get the white people out of there. I know. I understand. I'm white. I get it. I want me to go away too. <laughs> We, we, me, are the problem. Like, we all just need to get in a tiny house, go in the middle of nowhere, and then leave everybody else alone. That's what we should do. Okay, white people, laugh at yourself. So we were in Greenpoint, and we went into a bar that also has uh, food and stuff. So we popped in there and then realized it was like a brewery. And um, I don't drink. I gave up drinking uh, three years ago. Thank you so much. And... <laughs> People hate that. People hate because they're like, do I have to quit drinking now? What? This is making me very uncomfortable, <laughs> which is why I love talking about it. Um, but I, I had to quit because uh, just I did all my drinking up top, started drinking when I was 12 years old. Uh, first time I ever drank, I had two Colt 45 40s, one after another, just chugged them both and broke them both against a brick wall. <laughs> they don't just give you this haircut. You have to earn it, and I did. So I had to, I had to quit drinking. So I, I'm three years sober, and so I went into this bar. Thank you, um, and <laughs> thank you so much. And so this gal came over, and because it was like a brewery, I just was like, "Hey, what kind of non-alcoholic options do you have?" Because like it's a brewery, so they're like, "Drink our beer," and I'm like, "Easy." And uh, so I just wanted to see if they had something other than water. So I just said. What non-alcoholic options do you have? And she's like, ugh, well, let's see. I mean, we've got soda, of course. I was like, okay. She's like, we've got lemonade. And I was like, I'm not ordering that. She's definitely going to think I'm a child. Um, And then she said, oh, well, (laughs) we've got O'Doul's if you want to go that route. And I was like, sure, that sounds good to me, actually. Uh, Because I do like drinking, whoops, non-alcoholic beer every now and then. um, Because my favorite part is uh, blowing the dust off the cap. And uh, my favorite, so she goes, <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll bring you an O'Doul's. Um, hey, and then she just like kind of got all like comfy with me. And then she said, uh, she goes, you know, my dad, he's from Massachusetts. You know what he calls that? He calls that queer beer. And then she went. <laughs> and I said, well, that's perfect because I'm queer. Like t- to this redheaded Massachusetts woman's face. And she goes, I never thought of it that way. Have you ever seen a human being turn inside out? <laughs> and the best part of it is that, I mean, of course she should, re- she was like, oh, I, I never, <laughs> and just like disappeared. But also the other thing is like, she's making fun of non-alcoholic beer and I just ordered non-alcoholic. I was like, I cannot make this any clearer other than giving you a 12 steps book right now. She's like, she could not have made fun of me more, you know? Oh, so she turned inside out and she disappeared, never to be seen again. And then I ate my waffle fries and enjoyed it. So that was my trip to Canada and New York. Are you guys ready to get the show going? Hey, Oh yeah. Hey, it's Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Hey, how you doing? I'm I'm great. Good. Uh, uh, hey, we have a quick uh, lineup change. Oh okay. Uh, our special guest is gonna go first. Oh my goodness, that's so great. Well, here's the thing. We have a great show, right? And everybody on this show is awesome. And here's the thing about this show: whenever we have somebody on the show for the first time, we love to give them a huge round of applause, right? To just like welcome welcome them to this stage for the first time. So you guys want to do that with me? Awesome. Let's get it started right now. Please give a warm welcome. First time to put your hands together, Margaret Cho. Margaret Cho, you guys, let her hear it. She rules. That was great. Go see Margaret if she's in your city. Because did you guys know this is also a podcast, our show? 
great. <laughs> Five people, yes. We subscribe. Um, yeah, one more time for Margaret Cho, you guys. Because, like, we're real... She's talking about real shit, and we should be talking about those things, you know? Like, I fucking respect the hell out of that. And I'm so stoked that she was at our show. Literally one more time. I don't care. I'm going to keep making you guys clap. So stoked she was here. I mean, I, I watched her show, and just, like, seeing the word girl on prime time was, like, so influential in my life. And so that's great. Anyway, so we're going to keep the show going. Are you guys excited for more comics? Awesome. This next comic, also from Chicago. I started in Chicago. He's one of my favorite comics out of Chicago. He has an amazing show that's uh, every now and then at, at Nerd Melt. <laughs> please, it's called The Wheel Show. You guys, please give it up for Joe Quazala. <laughs> Thank you so much. Did you hear that? You guys can see me occasionally. <laughs> Whenever, sometime, during the week, I would assume. Probably. I know you guys probably thought that uh, every performer here tonight was going to be a comedian, but here before you stands a bad boy. <laughs> yeah, who knew? Who knew? With such a, so much flexibility, just the baddest of boys. Here we are. I will try to I will try to use that as like a I'll try to call myself a bad boy as a way to like flirt with a girl, you know? It's kind of cute say you're a bad boy. Except that one time I meant to say that and then instead I said I was a bad guy. <laughs> Which is different <laughs> from bad boy. Bad boy is like, yo, what's up, girl? I got a motorcycle. Bad guy is, yo, what's up, girl? I watched a man drown. <laughs> I did nothing. Because mm, I'm a bad guy. I'm going to shut down the rec center. <laughs> you watch out. Out for the bad guy. It's... It's weird that, like, yeah, bad boy's okay, bad guy is not. Like, what's okay, what's not? Like, you can... It's accepted, and it's known, and it's okay for, like, a lady to call a guy daddy in the bedroom. Like, that's a known and okay thing. What's not okay, though, is if she uses any synonym for daddy. <laughs> it's not gonna fly. You're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, give it to me, dad. Mmm... <laughs> Mmm. Oh, yeah, right there, papa. Mmm, pa mm, papa. Ooh, papa. Ooh, papa. But then outside of the bedroom is where you don't want to use daddy at all. That's like the least good one. You know, if you're just casually throwing out daddy. Like, my last name is Kozala. It's Polish. Well, actually, my daddy's Polish. Uh... <laughs> I mean, technical, my daddy's daddy grew up in Poland, then came here, gave the last name to my daddy, then he gave it to me, and then someday I'll be a daddy who gives it to a little baby future daddy for all daddies to come. That's not okay. Don't talk like that ever. I think probably one of the most accepted forms of using daddy would be like in song lyrics. You probably get away with saying daddy in a song, you know? Can your mama make me breakfast? Can your daddy make me cry? You know? Uh, that's not a real song. It's not. Don't, don't get confused trying to think, one, it's a real song, or two, it makes sense, because... Can your mama make me breakfast? Can your daddy make me cry? I sang it twice because... I need it to be stuck in someone else's head. You know what I mean? Can't just be up here. I'm going crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, I feel like that, that kind of sounds like a real song. It's got like, I'm not like the worst singer. I'm not like, certainly not as bad at singing as like a Catholic priest. I don't know if, you, if anyone's ever been to like a Catholic mass. But the way everything they sing is all like this. 
Every time you think that they're singing, it just ends up like this. <laughs> just holding a bunch of metal to the sky. <laughs> Lamb of God, you take away the glory of the whole. And you're like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> Don't. I remember like growing up, the priest did that, but he was the only priest I ever saw. So I was like, okay, he has a brain problem. <laughs> I can... I could figure that out. But then the first time, yeah, and then I saw another priest for the first time in the same exact shit. And I was like, what? Did you guys get together and decide this was cool? Why would you? It's like, it's like someone explained to them the concept of singing, but they had never heard a song. Like, oh yeah, you, you know talking? It's a lot like talking, but you sustain different notes with different words. Do you need an example? No, I think I got it. Based on your description, I'm nailing it. Probably just the best singer in the world. Doing exactly what you said. And then the whole, even beyond the singing, the, the mass is just pretty gross. Like a lot of just like, we're gonna drink from the same goblet. Everybody walk up here and put your mouth on the same exact spot as everybody else in the church. It's totally not gross because I'll wipe it with the exact same cloth every time. Don't be grossed out by sharing this goblet with other people even though everybody else in this church looks like a bad drawing. Everybody in the church just looks like a tossed off doodle. I love I love the way people talk, the way people sing. I get I'm obsessed with the British accent. I love that you can tell how British someone is by how many syllables they use. Like regular British, no. Really British, no. Super British, no. And then the most British is that plus a million super short sounding words at the end. Like, you said, if any girl, I'll talk about it, guys. I thought I ain't got that there, but if I show we go with the diamond ball, which I'm a damn man. No. No. All right, guys, that's it for me. Thank you so much for having me. Go, Kazala, you guys, let him hear it. I love that singing priest bit. Jesus Christ, I love that singing priest bit. Ugh, and the incense in that place. Where do they get that terrible incense? Incense, like, smells good. And then you go to church and you're like, oh, my God. It's like old fart scented incense. Anger scented incense. Sadness. Guilt scented incense. Anyway, you guys are loving this. We're going to keep the show going because we have so many more amazing comics, and this guy is a friend of the show. We love it when he comes by. Please give a warm welcome to Alex Edelman, you guys. Hi, guys. Ah, so cool. Yeah, um, this is exciting. This is my, I, I've done this show a bunch, but this is my first time as a L.A. resident. Um, I just moved here. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I just moved here from Boston. Uh, and I decided I'm from this really racist part of Boston uh, called Boston. And it's very cool. And sometimes by the way, people are like, you're not from Boston. And I'm like, yes, I am. They're like, you don't have the accent. Why don't you have the accent? And I was like, oh, because when I was nine, my dad said, uh, Bobby, get the doa. And I was like, that's not how you pronounce that. <laughs> that's not how you use the letter R. And door doesn't have nine syllables in it. I wasn't able to fully shake that till I applied for college, though. I sat down with a college admissions board, and it went really well until the end. They asked me my best quality. I told them that I was artistic. <laughs> And then I swear to God, the guy put his pencil down and went, you're autistic? And I went, no, I'm not retarded. 
Um, yeah, it's exciting. I'll tell you guys uh, three quick things, and then I'll uh, get out of here. Um, <laughs> I, has anyone heard of a gorilla named Coco the Gorilla? Yeah. Yes, okay. So Coco the Gorilla um, is my brother's favorite, favorite thing in the world, and he's always talking. I have two brothers. Uh, I have a twin brother, AJ, and a little brother, Austin. AJ is my twin brother. AJ is a professional bodybuilder. Uh, fuck you guys. Fuck you guys. <laughs> And sometimes people will be like, are you guys identical twins? And I'm like, we used to be. <laughs> now we look like a before and after photo. <laughs> he lives in Newton, Massachusetts with, with, uh, with two cats and no neck. And uh, I went to visit him. And he was telling me about... Oh, I, I don't have time to get into this. AJ is now not just bodybuilding. Uh, he, he's like, I have to tell you something. I'm training. I'm like, what are you training for? The apocalypse? Fucking look at you. <laughs> no, I'm training, and you will never get this, but please go online and please support him. This is true. He's like, I'm training for the Winter Olympics in 2018 as a bobsled athlete for Israel. And he just saw me like standing there and looking at him, and he's like, I know you're thinking of jokes. I'm like, I'm not sure if it's the funniest thing I've ever heard or the most unfunny thing I've ever heard. But please go online and support The Frozen Chosen as he makes his way towards Pyeongchang. But sorry, AJ's obsessed with this gorilla named Coco. And Coco the gorilla is this gorilla who, that knows sign language and it's still alive. And he told me this this year. Um, the Coco the gorilla met Robin Williams in 1999. And this year, they decided to just ruin its day by telling the gorilla that Robin Williams had passed away to do an experiment. And the experiment was successful because the gorilla went, Coco friend, Coco sad. First of all, how fucking hilarious was Robin Williams that even gorillas were like, this guy is unbelievable. <laughs> Funniest dude I've ever met, hairier than me, incredible. <laughs> Second of all, did they have to tell the gorilla two years later? Just to like ruin his day, like, Coco, we have some bad news. And the gorilla's like, oh no. I guess I'll just listen to my David Bowie albums. <laughs> Coco, we have more bad news. And it's like, oh no! But Prince is fine, right? <laughs> like, Coco, it's been a really bad year. It's like, oh, I guess I'll just call my cousin Harambe in Cincinnati. <laughs> really? Are you owing? You're owing for that. All right. We're going to hate this last thing. Um, uh, you're going to hate it. You're going to hate it. It's a true story. I've told it on stage four, maybe five times. Close with something strong. No way. Um, this is true. It's the first time I performed in L.A. It was 2009. I performed at this really shitty theater called the West Side Eclectic in Santa Monica. And uh, I think it's still there. And uh, I get, it was a really bad show. And there were like 20 people in the audience. And they had all come together. Like, uh, like not like... But like that, they, that would have been way better because they were not easygoing. They had all arrived together and there was this one woman who was like the captain of the group and she was offended by every single joke. Every single joke. The first comedian did a joke about Filipino culture, which is fine because he was Filipino and she stood up and went, I find that offensive. My husband has Filipino family members. I identify as Filipino. And all of us were like, how... <laughs> This is the first comedian. What are we going to do? And the host, a guy named Sandy Danto, looked at me and went, I'm going to bring you right up. And uh, I'm looking around the dressing room. And by the way, sometimes you hear a story, and at the end of the story, you hear it from a friend, and you're like, oh, you're the asshole. Did you think you were the good guy in the story? I know I'm the asshole. I'm looking around the dressing room right before I go on, and I see a wheelchair. And... Hold on, you're ahead of me. And I said to Sandy, bring me on stage in the wheelchair. And he said, no. And I said, I'm coming on stage in the wheelchair. And Sandy, to his credit, was brilliant because he went, this next comedian, he hasn't been on stage since... 
in a while, but he's so brave and we love him and they wheel me on stage and the whole audience was on my side. If you ever need that, I put my notes right here, they wheel me over here and I do three or four jokes about being in a wheelchair. The audience loves it. And then I forget the next joke because I had written four bad ones in 10 minutes and I couldn't remember the fourth one. So I look back at my notes and I start to try to turn the wheelchair. But because I'm inexperienced at being in a wheelchair, because I've only been handicapped for about 10 minutes. Uh, I couldn't move the wheelchair. I had locked it, and the whole audience sees me struggling, and now they're really uncomfortable. And the woman who's the captain stands up, and she starts to walk over to my notes to help me, and to make her uncomfortable more, I go, No! I want to do this myself! (laughs) And then I make a conscious decision... And I stand up, and I walk over to the notes, and then I walk back to the wheelchair, and I sit down, and I look out to fucking pandemonium. The crowd is no longer with me. And here's the thing, it's about two or three minutes of people just yelling, and I swear to God, very stereotypically, um, someone went, Oh, shit! And then they all go quiet and they look at the lady who's in charge. And she's so upset she can't say anything. And I get off stage and I leave the theater like right before the next comedian thinking like I'm done. And she comes steaming out of the theater at me and she goes, that was the most offensive thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I told her that it was okay because I actually identify as being in a wheelchair. All right, you guys have been great. Enjoy the rest of your night. I'm Alex Edelman. Alex Edelman, you guys want to hear it? All right, I'm going to keep it right on rolling. This next comic is a Bay Area comic. He is very funny, and we love it when he steps by. You guys keep it going for George Chet. Hi, you guys like stand-up comedy? Cool, I usually can't tell. Um, It's good to know because, yeah, you paid a cover, you came here. Uh, Sometimes in this line of work, we are doing jokes for people who don't want to see comedy or actively, like, disinterested in it. And I get it. It's not a format for everyone. Uh, Like, we're trying to start a show at this bar, and there was a San Francisco Giants game on the TV. One woman not happy, we're going to start talking over her baseball game. And she's like, hey, not a good time to start your comedy. Because Buster Posey's on first. And I was like, play it cool. Just pointing your entire life for a moment to say these words in a completely organic context. Super proud of myself, I just yelled at her. Who's on first? (laughs) And she's like, Buster Posey. I'm like, I guess that's the end of that joke. That is the remix. All right. No DJ scratch. Um, Yeah, uh, as Rhea said, I'm from the Bay Area. I used to live next door to a hippie. Because that's what you're assigned when you sign your lease, guys. You just get a hippie. It's like a house elf. Um... Uh, my hippie, uh, older lady, not a silver fox, unfortunately. Uh, silver ferret, maybe. Uh, she's the kind of hippie that was like taking care of all the feral cats on my block when I moved in. When I moved in, there was like 12 feral cats. Only three cats now, you guys. Three cats with like five eyeballs between them. I'm like, what is happening to these cats? I think I figured it out. She said she's also leaving out food for the possums and the skunks and the raccoons that hang out by our dumpster. I'm like, oh, those disease vector animals, you're leaving snacks out for them? Good plan. Uh, but you guys, I'm a fairly liberal person, but I realized uh, when that happened, I was like, it just takes one anthropomorphizing hippie lady to turn me into an Ayn Rand Republican. <laughs> those raccoons are abusing the system. <laughs> they have thumbs. They can forage, pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. Because how cute would that be, you guys? Little rocket raccoons running around. <laughs> I'm saying we've got to build a wall to save our domestic cats. Okay, no. Um, there's a coyote tag in there I haven't written yet. Okay, um, 
are we all cool as a society with having like podcasts and documentaries solve our murders for us now? <laughs> like we just decided, that's cool, let's outsource that. That's cool. <laughs> Let HBO figure that one out. Oh, my uncle died. Uh, Hulu's on it. Uh, I don't like how commercial it is. I don't like how like one day it's going to be like, oh, I don't have Hulu Plus. I don't know whether justice was served. One day it's going to be like, uh, this public execution sponsored by Squarespace. <laughs> Which is ironic because the gas chamber is a cylinder. <laughs> you groan a geometry, remind you. Okay, uh, <laughs> groaning geometry, all of my fortes. Uh, you guys like movies? Four of you? Um, <laughs> uh, did you see the movie Zootopia? Okay, the rest of you, uh, if you don't know what the movie Zootopia is about, uh, it's the Disney Corporation taking a stab at describing racial profiling. <laughs> it's real fun. Uh, it's a movie where they, uh, the heroes are these little cute animated animals that want to become cops, which is a bad premise for a movie. <laughs> because we force real animals to be cops. <laughs> I feel like the dogs are into it. The horses are like, I could do better than this. <laughs> like, I was thinking about, like, because uh, we force dogs to be cops, you know? Like, do you think dogs just go along with their masters in general? That's, like, what it, most people's dogs do. Uh, you think, like, police dogs are just, like, going along with everything? Like, well, all lives matter. <laughs> I don't see color. <laughs> and that is... A hacky animal joke with political subtext. You're going to love Zootopia. <laughs> That's for my writing packet for the sequel to Zootopia. All right. Um, um, you guys, you want to know my problem with the movie Boyhood? Okay. So <laughs> here, we'll keep going in this vein. Uh, I don't think that it would have gotten any awards or been made at all if Richard Linklater hadn't done it because... Uh, I think the pitch would have been like, ha, so here's the plan for the movie. I'm going to follow your son around. <laughs> your six-year-old son. going to film him. <laughs> then I quit when he turns 18. That's, right. <laughs> that is that movie. Uh, uh, I was doing a show, and the audience did not like me. I don't know if you guys can relate to that at all. Thank you. Uh, instead of being polite like most of you, one guy decided to yell something at me. Uh, always welcome during a comedy show. Make sure to yell things. Um, first time for me, I heard this. Hey, get off the stage. Go back to Mexico. I was like, I would love to. <laughs> Cabo is lovely. Uh, my favorite comment I got after a show, one time this guy came up to me and he was like, hey, uh, that was pretty funny. But uh, you should have made more fun of the fact that you're Asian. I was like, what, what do you mean? He said, oh, you know, it's just funny that you're Asian. <laughs> I was like, well, you should definitely go to Asia then. You're going to appreciate that very much. Plus, uh, <laughs> I got getting off that plane. Um, I was like, okay, I got to see where this joke ends. Um, what is so funny to you about being Asian? And he says, oh, you know how like, Asian people have no sense of direction? Those like get in the way of things and get underfoot and hanging out in doorways. I was like, are, are you thinking of a cat? That sounds like a cat to me. <laughs> He's like, no, I've seen a lot. I've seen a guy, a guy just like walking a wall or walking to a person. I'm like, are you thinking of a Roomba? That sounds like a Roomba. <laughs> Whatever you think of it does not sound like a human being uh, with real thoughts and feelings. But uh, more importantly, uh, that's not how stand-up comedy works. I'm not going to write 10 minutes of jokes based on a stereotype that only you know about. <laughs> Good night, I'm George. George was also briefly talking about baseball, and I was talking about how much I love baseball. Um, do you guys know the former baseball player, Jose Canseco? That guy, he like posted a disgusting photo of his thumb once, and uh, baseball hit him on the head when he was trying to catch it in the outfield, and then it bounced out of the, into the stands. He's known for that, that and drugs, mostly. <laughs> um, but I didn't know this fun fact about him, that he has a daughter... Jose Canseco has a daughter, which totally makes sense that he would have a daughter. Sometimes people have children. Um, <laughs> but I found out recently that Jose Canseco 
has a daughter named Josie Canseco. <laughs> Jose Canseco has a daughter named Josie Canseco. Josie Canseco, daughter of Jose Canseco. Jose Canseco's daughter, Jose Canseco. It's, it's so perfect. I had a crazy anxiety attack, and I honestly called myself by saying, Jose Canseco is a daughter named Josie Canseco. Josie Canseco is the daughter of Jose Canseco. Ooh, I feel so much better. So just try that later. I know it seems like silly now, but later you're going to like go grab a drink or start just falling asleep, and you'll be like, Jose Canseco has a daughter named Josie Canseco, and you're like, that is fun. It's just fun to say. It's like a, a Terry Cloth towel or something. I don't know. Because that's my ultimate, like, calming thing, is a terry cloth towel. <laughs> I am an 80-year-old woman. Okay, we have two more comics on the show. How exciting is that? <laughs> they are both great. Keep it going for one of my pals, Goodrich Gavart. Keep it going for Rhea, you guys. <laughs> so good to be here. My name is Goodrich Gavart which on paper seems like I'd be the heir to a tire fortune. <laughs> and then you meet me and you'd be like, he'd be a good assistant manager at a tire franchise. That's, <laughs> that's what that name has given me. Uh, I want to confess something to you guys. Um, I'm a sugar daddy. Not in the sexual way where I give someone a bunch of money and it makes me hard. That's not... <laughs> At all, I'm like addicted to sugar. <laughs> like this daddy is j just sugar. That's it. <laughs> just a da I've been addicted to sugar my whole life, and I can't hit bottom. <laughs> like I can hit the bottom of a Ben and Jerry's pint, but I cannot hit <laughs> actual bottom with this. I can't stop. It's been happening my entire life, and no one has done anything about it. <laughs> Perfect addict issue. It's not on me. It's on the rest of the world. So. <laughs> It started when I was a young kid. Uh, you remember you guys got those like candy bars for school? You had to pay people. People would pay you a dollar for a candy bar worth maybe seven cents. But they're like children of the face. They'll be fine with the market price. So I got 24 candy bars from school. And I took it home and I was like, hey, mom, can I borrow a dollar? And she was like, for what? And I was like, I want to eat a candy bar. She's like, all right, that's fine. Next day, I had 23 candy bars. And I was like, hey, mom. Can I borrow another dollar? And she's like, for what? And I was like, I would like another candy bar, please. And so then my monster, sugar monster brain said, all right, if this is true for two days, it's going to be true for all the days. So I just went with the big one. And 22 days later, I was like, hey, mom, can I borrow $22? And she's like, why do you need that? You're eight years old. And I just pointed to the empty box of candy bars. And I said, I did some things. Uh, <laughs> some shit happened. And she, furious with me, then realized she can't go to school and be like, my son ate all the candy, give him more to sell. Because <laughs> that's her saying, I'm bad at my eight-year-old. <laughs> so she gave me $22 and I gave it to the school and no one talked about it ever again. <laughs> then I got to college and then I realized that I don't only like eating candy I'm not supposed to. I like eating your candy any of your candy. I had a roommate in college, went away for a long weekend. I'm getting stoned in my dorm room. I don't want to go outside. It's midnight. I look around the room. He's got a fiber one box. Just like eight bars in there. Not even that great. I don't need to be regular. I only eat ice cream. It all comes out no problem. But I ate all of his fiber one bars. <laughs> And then I shoved it under my bed. And I said, I bet he won't say nothing. I think he's soft. Turns out, super soft. Didn't say a goddamn word about his fiber one bars. I got too confident. I got too cocky with it, you guys. My late 20s, I'm living with people who have self-control. Fuck that. That's absurd. Have you guys done this infuriating thing? I would live with people who have so much self-control, they would do something that was fucking insane to me. This one time, my, my roommate, self-controlled daddy, he, in his jar of food, had a big jar of peanut butter and then a Halloween bag of Kit Kats just right next to each other like a gun with loose ammo. 
To me, you put one in the fucking other, it'll change your weekend for sure. <laughs> Shit was tense in the household. <laughs> was, the big bust happened, all right? It was a big bust. <laughs> I came home one day and my roommate had purchased 48 ice cream sandwiches. Two for one deal. I get, I get it. <laughs> but what he did was he kept those ice cream sandwiches in the freezer for two weeks and did not open them at any point. And every time I would look in the freezer, I would get fucking furious. <laughs> I would look in there and I'd be mad like he had a girlfriend he wasn't respecting well. <laughs> I'd open it up and be like, oh, I wish I had Jesse's girl. I'd show her what for. <laughs> She's better than this. <laughs> so, I, so one night, I know that there's 48 Sammy's there and I'm trying to fall asleep. And I don't know... <laughs> I always, also always know the exact number of snacks in the house at all times. That's bad. You shouldn't have predator vision for sweets. So, <laughs> so I'm trying to fall asleep. And I don't know if you guys have ever tried to fall asleep without eating ice cream, but fucking don't do it. It's a scam. <laughs> Super big scam. <laughs> so I went downstairs and I was like, this dude's got 48. I'll fucking snag two. MBD. It's no big deal. Shortened it. Got two. And that worked out fine. So I ate two to four every day for about a couple weeks. <laughs> and then there was one day where I'm sitting in the living room and he's in the other room in the kitchen and he decides to be real friendly. He's like, hey man, you want an ice cream sandwich? That's when I tensed up. <laughs> My plan previously was just eat ice cream sandwich. <laughs> there was not a what then situation at all. So I tried to play cool. I was like, no, nah, man, I'm good. And then he looked in the freezer, and he was like, wait, this box is, like, almost empty. Oh, shit, where's the other box? <laughs> and that's when I was like, you know what, man? I'm super sorry. I'm going to go buy you some ice cream sandwiches. So I went and I bought him 48 ice cream sandwiches, and I bought myself 24 to work through the feelings. <laughs> and I realized... No one's gonna stop me. <laughs> what do I have to do? Do I have to be like all cruelled up like some sort of weird Scarface kingpin for dairy and sugar? Just like, oh yeah, say hello to my little friend. I'm just covered in powdered sugar. Oh, I just won't stop. The thing is, is that this is a very new story that I cannot find an ending to. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, it's seven minutes. I'll probably be cool. And then I get to the end and I'm like, it's still not there. It's still not there. But I tried it, and I thank you guys so much for being here with me. Enjoy the rest of the show! That was great, I loved it! Good Rich Gavar, you guys! I also really love candy because I, I used to smoke cigarettes. When I was a kid, I, this is... Oh boy. I, I was from such a bad neighborhood and like hillbilly roots and stuff that I would find cigarettes on the ground and smoke them. That's disgusting. And also, I would get like a Newport from somebody. That's what I started smoking. Just imagine 12-year-old me with a Jodie Foster haircut <laughs> and like cut-off cargo shorts or whatever, smoking a Newport <laughs> that I broke the filter off of because I was like, I want to be super tough. I have a big chip on my shoulder. <laughs> But I quit smoking, and so now all I do is eat candy all the time. But I've always loved candy, because it was always around. And when I was, like, real little, super loved it. I especially loved the Easter Bunny thing, like the big chocolate Easter Bunny. Fucking best. It's, like, terrible chocolate, but for some reason, when you have, like, a Barbie-sized <laughs> bunny to eat, you're like, this is, this is the best thing in my entire life. Life could not possibly get better than this weird eyeballed bunny that someone gave me in a basket on a Sunday morning and I don't even know what Jesus is. You know, like it just... None of it makes any sense. And then, but then there's a moment as a child, you get that thing and you're like, because <gasps> you've never seen anything like that before. And then you start eating it and you're like, oh, this fucker is hollow. <laughs> so that's like the first time you, you, you get that life lesson where you're like, shit is hollow. I had expectations of solidarity, and then the shit was hollow. And then the second time was also Easter, my candy disappointment, when I got a white chocolate 
Easter Bunny. And I was like, what the hell is this? This is chocolate, but it's different. What is this thing? And I think it was also Big Bird. So I was like, like really losing it. And my dad gave it to me. And I like could I I made such a big deal out of it, like eating a white chocolate Big Bird. I told everyone in my family, like I am gonna eat that tomorrow. You guys just watch me. I'm gonna eat that. So so then the time came, I got to eat that thing, and I took a bite and was like, this is the most disgusting thing I've ever eaten in my life. Because what sadist decided like you know what, chocolate is too good. Let's remove the goodness from it. Let's remove whatever it is that makes chocolate perfect and then just make that. What asshole did that? Some white chocolate asshole. Yes, I said white chocolate asshole. Look it up on the internet. I'm sure it exists. But that was the day I realized my father never loved me. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, don't, I hope my dad listens to the show. Hey, Dad. He's like, yeah, she's right. <laughs> when my dad's dog died, he had a dog for 13 years. That dog died. He was crying on the phone with me. First time he ever cried in my entire life. He started crying and then a break in his tears. And he just goes, he was the son I never had. And I was mad because I was like, I thought I was the son you never had. Okay. Now we have our final comic. Are you guys ready for our final comic of the night? Awesome. His next comic, also a friend of the show. He is so funny. I love him so much. He's also going to be in the new season of Mystery Science Theater 3000, you guys. Give it up for Hampton Yount. All right. I created white chocolate. <laughs> Hampton Yount dead. Guys, give it up for all the comedian you're about to see. Tricked you. Tricked you, idiots. That, was, that applause was for me. You're dumb. <laughs> All right. I don't think people like stand-up comedy. <laughs> like, you guys are cool, but I don't think in general it's blown up <laughs> as much as we think. I asked somebody recently who their favorite stand-up comic was, and they said, whose line is it anyway? <laughs> Which is not... Right, Mom? <laughs> the correct answer is me, your darling boy. <laughs> Hampton Young, the creator of White Chocolate. <laughs> Don't you love me after I created a whole sub-faction of chocolate? <laughs> These are the jokes. <laughs> this is how good I thought you'd be. <laughs> Saying. It's a give and take. Alex uh, was showing me Snapchat before the show, which is uh, horrible. It's a horrible thing that I'm going to have to learn and get good at to get some sort of audience. Twitter is dying, and Facebook is just for the elderly now. <laughs> like, here's how I know Facebook is just for the elderly. Every time I get on Facebook in the morning, it just goes, Remember this? <laughs> If you've ever shared a memory, kill yourself. <laughs> Just no. <laughs> no one has ever cared. But your shared memory? What is this? Identity report? Or, I forget. Minority report. That's the movie. <laughs> it was an okay joke. <laughs> they said... Um, I'm going to miss Obama. Uh, it sucks that he has to go back to Krypton. It's <laughs> sad. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be funny if, like, when he was, like, done with his presidency, like, him and his family just, like, levitate off the planet. <laughs> I was like, bye, Obama! miss you, Obama! Has anybody, uh, has anybody still been reading uh, Bernie Sanders' uh, Twitter? <laughs> this is really interesting to me, because, like, how far... It, it's just changed. Like, when I used to read his tweets, it was different. It's gone from, like, presidential hopeful to guy who just tweets about why your life sucks all the time. 
Like he'll just tweet like, you know the banks control everything. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> shut up, idiot. We all know. Get in line. Get in line. There's no line, but just get in it. <laughs> I'm gonna miss that. Like Obama had empathy, which was like really cool. Like he cried on TV, which is like huge for me. Like when presidents cry on TV, it's happened before, but like every time that happens, especially with Obama, I was like, wow, like being president is the worst job. Like anybody who would want to be president is a fucking sociopath. Like being president is the worst job. You can't even cry in public. Because there's a whole news network just devoted to being like, yeah, he fucking cried! Let him cry like a little baby! Let him! <laughs> if I was president, I would be crying all the time. That would be my presidency, would be sobbing. Like, I, I cry if somebody just raises their voice to me. Like, I'm not making decisions about abortion. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I can't imagine. That's what the president should be, in my opinion, is a guy we elect to just cry all the time. Like it's a news channel you turn to and there's a guy just sobbing all the time and that's the president. And he's just like, we owe China all this money. And I tried to give people health care and they said I was a Nazi. <laughs> like, that's the president. <laughs> but then, but then like the vice president is still somebody who's like Joe Biden, but he's just by the president. He's like, what did you ask us all say to make him cry? What did you say to him? What did you say? Yes. <laughs> All right. Doing this new thing where I'm keeping the mic in the stand. I think it's pretty fun. <laughs> Recommend it to comics. Just give it a try. <laughs> All right, that's a terrible. All right, here. I. All right, here's a really terrible uh, impression. Uh, this is my impression of Osama bin Laden. Uh, before. He, you know, <laughs> before the whole thing. And uh, he's at home, and he's getting a late-night snack from uh, his refrigerator. He's getting some ice cream late at night, and one of his wives, right, wives, <laughs> wives, one of his wives catches him uh, getting a late-night snack. Am I bad? <laughs> Right? Because morality is subjective. <laughs> I realized recently that uh, the Second Amendment really means nothing to me because, like, I never want to own a gun. Like, it literally has zero interest to me. I think they're boring. Like, I grew up with them. I think they're pretty boring. And so that's really interesting to me. Like, the Fourth Amendment means way more to me than the Second Amendment. Like, troops can't stay with me. I, no. I fucking love that right. Troops, no. For free, troops just stay with me. Which one of you troops ain't the last Pop-Tart? Ah, I wish there was a rule! All right. House meeting, house meeting, troops. Okay, house meeting, troops. All right, look, the chore wheel... Now, I, I can't help but notice that the troop dial has been put on laundry and the Hampton dial has been put on invade Syria. Now... You know what? You guys have been so much fun. Have a great night. Hampton down, you guys let him hear it. He was great. And give it up one more time for everybody you saw tonight. Put your hands together. 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 Get ready to laugh. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Get ready to clap. Put your hands together. Put your hands together.
Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point, and we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nights. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, Jazos. <laughs> Ruler of the Eighth Circle. And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.